Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. I'm excited because we're going to be speaking to Dr. Daniel Coyne. He has been a nephrologist for over 30 years, and he works as a professor of medicine at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. And today we're going to be talking about in-depth fluid management and some complications that happen as a result of not having the right goal and what you can do and your clinician can do to help you never have this problem. It's no fun. So um, welcome to the show, Dr. Coyne. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on. Tell us a little bit about just over the years how much fluid has been a problem in the people that you treat who have kidney disease. Uh, I, one of the things we focus on on rounds is uh, target weight or what we used to call dry weight. I think target weight's a better way way to say it. Um, and uh, it's always been a problem. Uh, we know that it's related in some fashion to how high a person's blood pressure is, whether they're likely to get admitted for heart failure symptoms or other cardiac problems. Um, and we're always fighting against how much they gain how short of a treatment they really want, uh, and a lot of other factors uh, to get them to the right weight. Well, and I, I know that I like the, the term target, and I've heard the term estimated dry weight, because a patient's dry weight is constantly changing. It's different every time. Sometimes when they go to dialysis, it could drastically change. And how do you help educate patients on that and make sure that if they've been in the hospital, you know, obviously their dry weight is probably going to change. Or target weight. Target <laughs> I should weight, say yeah. target weight. I'm, so, I'm a, I'm, I say dry weight, and it's target weight. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, ultimately their target weight would get them to a point where they have a normal amount of fluid in their body, or what we call in nephrology euvolemia. Um, and this normal uh, uh, fluid status um, would allow them to have the least amount of pressure on their heart and high blood pressure um, and appears to minimize their likelihood of having complications like heart failure and heart attacks down the road and things like that. Um, the problem is many patients get to their target weight just fine day after day, but they're actually very fluid overloaded, and clinically we don't detect this with usual clinical evaluations. And so they're they're at increasing risk of complications because of that. Well, and I, I want to focus a little bit on a tool called the crit line and some other tools that you may use to help prevent the patient from being fluid overloaded. So what what tools would you use or how what strategies, blood lab values would you look at to determine if the patient may be fluid overloaded? Yeah, and this is really where clinical assessment fails us. So if if I um, uh, go around my unit, my goal is to have the target weight be their, their euvolemia, where they have a normal fluid status at the end of their treatments. Uh, but studies uh, by um, 
the satellite dialysis group, among others, have shown that at best, physicians are probably right only about six out of ten times. And uh, dialysis nurses are no better. Um, so we're missing a lot of people. Some of them are actually leaving volume depleted, so they they feel uh, symptomatic from that. We're making them unnecessarily dry. Washed out. Is that the term? Washed out. I feel so washed out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> You can, uh, and some of them are still leaving fluid overloaded, um, and do so for months on end. Um, so, uh, w- what uh, Critline does is look at changes in the relative blood volume during the dialysis treatment, but it also collects other data, uh, such as their oxygenation in their blood and their hematocrit and hemoglobin um, at any given time period, and all of that data and the changes in their relative blood volume during the treatment can help us better determine if we're really getting them close to uh, their true uh, target weight or their euvolemic state um, and also allow us to predict that they're going to get into trouble and maybe turn off their ultrafiltration and minimize their side effects. Well, one of the things I think a lot of patients don't understand is that when you have too much fluid on board, part of the fluid is in your intravascular structure, and the other part is in your tissue or your third space or however you want to say it. And and dialysis can only pull fluid out of your intravascular structure. It can't pull it out of the tissue. So if the t- if it's not shifting from the tissue to the intravascular volume you can't get to it. Can you explain that process a little bit yeah. about how sodium I, works and in stuff? In fact, I think you explained it pretty well right there. That's absolutely right. Only, you know, we only dialyze fluid and pull fluid out of the blood vessels, the vascular space. And this represents only a small portion of the total fluid in your body and a total a, a small fraction of the excess fluid in your body that we want to get off. So when we pull this fluid from the vascular space, we're depending on the, all the extra fluid in their body moving back into the into their vascular space, or what we call refilling, uh, backfilling into this narrow uh, 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 vessels, um, this fluid to help keep their blood pressure up. The crit line actually determines that. So if I'm pulling fluid unnecessarily slowly because you're so very fluid overloaded and I'm not taking off very much, then your relative blood volume during the treatment won't change at all. If, if I see that on the crit line, that tells me I should actually increase your ultrafiltration and try for more. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you're decreasing your relative blood volume very quickly, um, Within just a few minutes, you're going to probably get symptomatic. You're going to get cramps or low blood pressures or have other problems related to me taking the fluid off too quickly because you're not refilling from all that other space in your body that's between cells and in cells. Um, so all that extra fluid's got to get in there, and the right rate to take it off, the, the crit line can help you do that. Uh, and so it can help us figure out again if you're if we're getting you really to that to that right target or not. And what can prevent 
you from being able to refill that intravascular structure. So you have the fluid in the tissue, and then you're pulling at a you know a thousand UFR per hour. And for those of the listening, UFR is the ultrafiltration rate that the dialysis machine is set at. That you know what rate is it pulling to meet your dry weight? So if you're on for four hours and you have a 4,000 goal, they may be doing 1,000 an hour, or they may be doing step ultrafiltration. That's a whole other topic. But what could be some reasons that patients don't shift fluid? So everyone's different, and probably factors in the patient that influence this is how much they can change their cardiac output during the treatment, what their vascular tone is what blood pressure medications they're on, including things like metadrine that may keep their blood pressure up. All of these, and even oxygenation, how much oxygen they have in their blood, all of these may play a role in how fast people refill. So when we look at patients here or on the crit line, we see some, we may take off two liters during their entire treatment, and they could tolerate four uh, very easily. Other patients can take a liter and a half off and they start to get into trouble, even though they've got three or four extra liters on. So there is this variation in the patients. Now, we can manipulate the dialysis a little bit to promote refilling a little bit, and that's what doing sodium variation is. We start with higher dialysate sodium early in the treatment, And because it's hypertonic, it's got more sodium in it than your blood, it pulls fluid out of the tissues and helps maintain refilling a little bit more. Um, I I actually don't like uh, to use uh, sodium variation um, because if uh, patients have to come off early, they, they leave the dialysis unit with a higher serum sodium and they're going to be very thirsty, and they're going to drink a lot of fluid between treatments. And, and they're going to come back not with more clear fluid that on it them. really <laughs> is better. There are other ways. Uh, some patients, we find out, just need longer dialysis treatments to get off the amount of fluid that they gain. It's been interesting to see the evolution over the last couple of decades. I had the privilege of working for Critline and the inventor of this monitor back in the mid-90s. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this should just this would have solved all my problems of of different aspects of being hospitalized. Uh, For instance, um, when I had my third transplant, I was on hemodialysis prior. And this can commonly happen. Uh, you're getting dialyzed at a different location and their scale was different and maybe my dry weight wasn't right. But I had four respiratory arrests because I was fluid overloaded when I went for transplant and they gave a medication at the time called OKT3 that was known to put you into respiratory failure if you had extra fluid on you. Yep. And I'm, I'm, you know, I would get so angry because I'm like, you know, we could have known if I had extra fluid on me before I went for transplant. Yep. Uh, uh, and, you know, I could give example um, when I was on hemodialysis when I was a young girl, my blood pressure was through the roof. And they did everything. They took out my own kidneys. They... Uh, I was on massive amounts of blood pressure medicine. And then they're like, well, why don't you try this new treatment called peritoneal dialysis? And so I was game. I was felt so ho- awful on hemo. I never had a blood pressure problem on peritoneal dialysis, which 
one would conclude, and I, I'm kind of giving myself an honorary doctorate here, but all, most fluid, uh, uh, excuse me, most high blood pressure is caused from fluid. And That's true, yeah. <laughs> so in, um, in hemodialysis units, uh, a group in Turkey is actually aggressively focused on getting people to their right target weight, to true euvolemia. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that 80 to 90% of their patients don't even need antihypertensives. Whereas in the U.S., 85 to 90% of people are on antihypertensives. And studies in the U.S., like the satellite I mentioned, show more than 40% of people probably are not at their proper uh, target their target weight is too high. They need to have a lower target weight, and about ten percent are actually getting dehydrated and would benefit from having a slightly higher target weight. So we're, we're clinically we're off all the time. Critline can certainly help with a lot of of these issues. It's not uh, the sole uh, solution, and it only looks gives us a window into relative blood volume not absolute fluid status. And there are other um, uh, devices that, that may help us along the way. But as you mentioned, it's it's really amazing when we use it in, in hemodialysis patients who haven't been on it before. We get a, a brand new insight into their physiology and how effective we really are at removing fluid. Uh, we have great confidence in our in our abilities, but it turns out our, our clinical skills alone just aren't enough to, to really assess uh, more than about uh, you know, 60, 65 percent of the patients correctly. Well, and one of the myths that I commonly hear, and I just, I get so angry because I'm like, I've been doing this for over 25 years and it's still out there. Oh, I crashed. I'm dry. I'm at my dry yeah. weight. <laughs> so, uh, so in in our practice here, um, we um, we try to pick specific reasons why we want a person on the crit line, and one of them is for better blood pressure control, and ultimately that usually involves lowering the patient's target weight a few kilos, in some case an amazing number of kilos, um, uh, like five or six kilos, and somebody you thought at best might be one kilo above their target. Um, but another is symptom reduction. And some of the patients who have um, symptoms on dialysis need the fluid off, but they don't refill very quickly. And consequently, what they really need is just longer dialysis right. or an extra dialysis session once in a while to get them back to really where they should be. And patients sometimes don't understand that. As you mentioned earlier, um, patients are different from treatment to treatment. And uh, we see patients who one day just cannot tolerate, um, on, uh, say, two liters of fluid removal during the treatment, um, but the next day can do just fine with that. And patients need to, just because you crash doesn't mean you're at your target weight. And uh, that's... Um, that's hard to explain to patients why that's true, right. but you're absolutely right. It is true. Well, and it's because, you know, the fluid's in the third space and it's not shifted into the intravascular. And it could be that, you know, over the holidays, we're much more prone to get sodium. And when you 
eat sodium, you don't give up fluid very easily. It likes to stay and camp out in the tissues. <laughs> it, um, is that, I mean, I'm making it a very simple analogy, but that's how, that's why we present differently because it's often based on our diet of how we eat and, you know, what we're eating. Yeah, so certainly there, uh, we need to s- uh, separate the patients into those who are hemodynamically stable during their uh, treatments and, and those who are not. And I think the take-home message from this for dialysis patients is just because you may have low blood pressures during treatment does not mean that your target weight is necessarily correct. You you have a significant likelihood of still having fluid overload. Right. We need other tools to figure that out. Um, but in again, if you go back to that satellite data, it was about half the patients who had hemodynamic symptoms were still fluid overloaded. Do you ever have an issue with telling a patient like, hey, we need to drop your dry weight because they're afraid of crashing? Like, yeah. you're not really 70 kilos. We need to try to get you down to 65. And then you see this panic mode on their face yeah. because they feel like, oh, my God, you're going to put me through a, a washing machine to get me to that level. So they don't want to they don't want to do it. No, they, they and you know I can understand that because they they remember you know three months ago or a year ago they had a really bad episode of where we pushed their fluid but but target weights do change and the real uh, goal uh, change over time and sometimes again their symptoms have nothing to do with whether or not they're at their target weight or not I've actually found that the uh, the crit line device. Um, helps convince some of these patients to let me uh, probe their target weight more and for a lot more. I, I had one person out here, so now you'll get one of my anecdotes. So I have a, a gentleman here who uh, has never been in the hospital, um, tends to run systolic blood pressures before dialysis in the 140s or so. Um, but I always thought that he probably should have his target weight a, a, a kilo or so lower um, because he occasionally had lower extremity edema, and I just felt like we weren't targeting him very good. So I put up the crit line, and I said to him, this machine will help tell me whether you've got extra fluid. Will you let me lower your target? He had always said no before. And he looks up at the machine and says, okay. <laughs> and so now we've been slowly, slowly whittling away, and he's five and a half kilos less. Well, you know, I was lucky to have my own personal crit line because I – Worked for the inventor, worked for the company for, you know, uh, a little over four years when they first were hitting the road. And when I had to go back on hemodialysis, I was very afraid to do hemodialysis without the crit line. And one of the things I observed, uh, in addition to seeing my blood volume change, was sometimes I felt nauseous and it turned out my oxygen dropped. And I was able to convey, hey, I need some O2 uh, and they would give me some O2, and I, in turn, didn't feel nauseated anymore. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how important oxygen is in people who are on dialysis and why it's important to monitor it? So the the, the crit line technology also looks at uh, continuous oxygen saturation. Um, and uh, if you have a cat, if you have a catheter, then we're looking at central venous oxygen uh, saturation, which is uh, kind of a function of the efficiency of your 
lung exchange and peripheral use of oxygen, so it kind of reflects how your heart's doing. And in patients who have that, if you have um, low oxygen tensions, um, you're actually at increased risk of uh, of dying uh, in addition to being hospitalized. And similarly, if if you have a fistular graft in, then what Critline's measuring is arterial oxygenation. Uh, this will be a much higher value than we see in the catheter patients. But nevertheless, if you have uh, values that uh, during most of the treatment are running less than 90%, you're at significantly increased risk of dying. And so this is at least an insight into that person's physiology, but it may also be an effective point to pick out somebody who's really at high risk and we need to intervene. Fluid overload certainly can be accounting for these low oxygen tensions we see in patients. And we haven't done the trials to really figure out the best way to manage this, but one thing is certainly focus on getting them to a normal uh, fluid status. So I had like a, a low bicarb level, and does that impact your oxygen level? Well, that tends to reflect much more of a kind of an acid-base status. Um, and uh, it's, certainly if you were hyperventilating chronically, you might have a low bicarb. But in most cases, it means that you're just not getting enough acid clearance during your dialysis treatment. And that can be independent of whether you have adequate oxygen in your, in your blood. Now, I know you have been a big fan of the crit line and, you know, pioneer in helping educate people. And uh, recently, I was on social media and a patient was talking about how they were very afraid to have their dry weight change and they were crashing. And I did this long pose because I, I, you know, I don't work for the company, anybody listening, I don't work for the company, but I still, or uh, now Fresenius bought the crit line, but I'm just such a strong believer in this product. And if anybody's ever been out to dinner with me, they know that I'll, I'll move the topic over to this subject because I'm so passionate about it. But I explained, and actually, there was a, a ha-ha sign, you know, and uh, on my comment, and I then decided to look at the uh, person who did the ha-ha sign, and it was a nurse, a dialysis nurse. And I was somewhat appalled that uh, somebody would laugh that I really believed this was the technology that could help the patient, and was wondering if, if you get that sometimes, and why is that? Um, I certainly don't get it from the patients. Once you explain that it can help you determine how to get, see if they have extra fluid on, and if they do, how to take it off more safely, they're like all for it. And it's very simple to explain to them what we're trying to accomplish during the treatment. I think if from most staff, they also understand it. If it, it's not a perfect tool, patients can still have symptoms on dialysis, but it needs to be used properly. In a, a trial of it early on, uh, they randomized people to be either on the crit line or not on the crit line. But the big problem was nobody was really instructed on how to use the crit line, and indeed, the people on the crit line didn't have any change in their target weight. Well, the whole point is to figure out who's fluid overloaded and lower their target weight. And then there's a handful of people who probably need a small increase in target weight. If you're not doing that sort of stuff, then it's a wasted uh, technology. 
So it's a gold mine of information. Right. But you need to understand what the heck the gold is and <laughs> and use it. I remember a conversation at one of the dinners I brought up uh, this topic, and somebody mentioned that study to me, and they're like, it doesn't work. And I'm, I'm like sitting there like in shock, like, what do you mean it didn't work? I'm like, you mean you didn't use it? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, you know, uh, it was really difficult sometimes to get people to understand the value. And I think if you've been that patient in the chair, and it's the only real tool to be able to be proactive because it's a horrible feeling to just sit there and out of the blue get sweaty, crampy, cold. I mean, it's it feels like you're dying. And I, uh, I, I think there's an, another value in it for the clinician who's and staff who are willing to use it, which is you you try to take off fluid in somebody who's very hemodynamically unstable. And as soon as they start having a complaint or a problem, you tend to stop. But if if with the crit line you see that really they're they're not changing the relative blood volume at all, then you're you're clearly not um, moving them toward dehydration or symptoms. And so you can you actually have more confidence, and you can express that to the patient to to push ahead with the fluid removal. We've had a patient here who uh, so here's my other anecdote. I love anecdotes. a patient who the social worker came to me and said that she wanted to talk to me because she felt so bad she wanted to stop dialysis. And she was a very sick patient and typically would only gain about a kilo between treatments, had very low blood pressure, very hard to dialyze her. She clearly did have significant fluid overload, but every time she got symptoms, she would insist that they stop. So I talked to her and I said that if if you let me use the crit line on you for the next three weeks, I'll I'll try to make you better. And if if we make progress, fine. And if not, um, then I I think we agree that maybe you should stop dialysis because I can't make your life better. Um, she's now 12 kilos less than she was. It, that wow. occurred over more than th- three weeks, but but she is so much better and she. Just off as an aside, when she told me she didn't really think she was much better, she did mention that she could finally lay down at night and sleep, and that for the longest period she was sleeping in a chair because she couldn't lay down. And then she grudgingly admitted that maybe she was better, and by the way, I better try to get some more fluid off of her. So it really gives everyone confidence in forging ahead, and, and that individual has really changed her life for the better. Well, and, you know, I mean, that story literally, like, makes me want to cry because when I worked for the crit line and traveled the country, I would see story after story like that. And as a patient, it's so difficult to be on dialysis. It's it's anxiety-ridden and so many factors of, of, uh, of just having to rely on a machine to live. And then to have the added factor of of crashing and having symptoms and not that you can always avoid them. It's not like, you know, Critline's a panacea of, of everything, but to be able to know what you're doing and give, give the patient a tool. I'm always saying, let the patient watch the Critline. (laughs) I mean, let them watch it, let them see it because it will give anxiety. And it was interesting because one of the topics that comes up a lot is eating on dialysis. And 
I was able to educate patients when I was a, a teaching a crit line in any unit that, you know, when you eat a Big Mac, <laughs> you know, all your blood volume drops and it makes you more likely to get symptomatic. So why don't you think about just eating little snacks? And so I've heard like the pendulum has swung and they're like, they don't want patients to eat during dialysis. And, and somebody who believes that, you know, you're there four hours, five hours, you don't want the patient like eating under the covers um, and, you know, hiding it from you because you get right. hungry when the treatment progresses. That's the normal. Uh, that's what dialysis is supposed to do. Make you hungry <laughs> and want to eat. And uh, uh, I just want to know your comments on that. Um, you know, I, I think uh, ideally uh, uh, patients sh- should be able to eat during dialysis. I do agree with you that probably large meals are not a great idea. But the reality is some patients do get symptoms and get nausea and vomiting or or, or uh, need to have bowel movements when they do that, and, and that becomes problematic uh, for management. In addition, there's the cleanliness issue in the unit and contamination. Certainly staff can't eat in units because of infection control concerns about the, about it. And yet, ironically, we allow sometimes patients to do it. So I don't think there's a right answer to that. Um, I, I see patients uh, eating. I, I try to encourage them to, to if they have to, to, to have small candies or something like that and not to suck on it because we've had patients who fall unconscious and choke on it. Uh, but I don't know what the right answer is. Well, and I think what's really important is that once you show the patient that their blood volume drops significantly when they eat a large yeah. meal and that if they maybe have like a little bar or something that and kind of take a bite here and there, it doesn't in fact it doesn't impact your blood volume. Yeah. And um to understand that um and, and I think what's really important about that is that, you know, patients always feel that their healthcare professional is like the police you know you can't do this you can't do that and when you show them evidence of why it's not a good idea and it's not just because of the inconveniences you met mentioned before it is an inconvenience when uh you know you got to go to the bathroom or something like that but as a patient i'm like well i don't want to give up my convenience of eating just because you're worried about that which never happens to me so um I think having a tool to be able to explain to a patient what's going on with them physiologically is important. Um, I guess just to kind of wrap it up, uh, we're big fans of Critline, and we. Um, what can patients do if if you go to your provider and they say we don't have the Critline? What are some tips that patients can do to help you know manage fluid and get the team on board? Yeah. So the ultimate goal is to to get people to that euvolemic state we started off and having the target weight be be no excess fluid in their body. And one thing they need to remember is that just because they had symptoms or cramping or nausea or vomiting with one dialysis when they were taking off X amount of fluid doesn't mean that that's their target weight they, or that that's all the fluid they can tolerate. Each treatment is different. Secondly, they need to actually ask the staff to to challenge their dry weight or ask their doctors to challenge the target weight, to occasionally try to take them a little below that, even if it's only 0.2 or 0.3 uh, liters. And then if they if they tolerate that, 
That should become their new target weight, and they should continue to whittle away at it. It's it's about binding a, a good target weight, and doing it without crit line is not ideal, but without challenging it, you can lose significant amount of body weight, and all you've done is replace that body weight with fluid and, and be in a state of constant fluid overload. So you have to challenge your target weight occasionally, and that may be just every, once every week or two. Just say, see if you can get me a little lower. Um, I think that's what people need to do. That Certainly that's what we've done when we don't have patients on it is we keep challenging until we see um, that we can't go any further. Well, and one of the things I always explain to my peers is that, you know, gaining fluid it's slow and it's kind of chronic, so you can't really pinpoint when you started to feel bad. And you just start to accept that new level of, oh, this is the way I feel. And like the antidote that you expressed earlier, this patient just accepted, like, hey, I just feel awful. And yep. it was due to fluid that she felt awful. Yeah. And, and we don't I, recognize And I think that. that's a good point. I, I, I think that uh, I, I tell this to my patients. I say sometimes people don't know how bad they are until they get better. And then they right. go, oh, my God, I couldn't believe I was that bad. Right. And that's the way with fluid. It's uh, If you're becoming fluid overloaded, you may never recognize it until you're no longer fluid overloaded. Well, or you're in the hospital and you're in congestive heart failure. Yes. And, and then we dialyze you daily and right. get off all this fluid and you leave, you know, three or four kilos uh, lighter than you used to be and have a new target weight. And your shoes fit and everything fits and you're like, oh, my pants fit. And you're like, just thought you were getting a little chunky. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Coyne, um, sharing your knowledge about fluid management. We also interviewed Ann Durall, who's a nurse who kind of tells the basics of fluid management. So people who have more questions on this topic, they can refer to that interview. And I, I just really want to thank you because you've been an early pioneer and champion for trying to give patients the best treatment so they can live the life they were meant to live. And on behalf of patients, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.